Welcome to the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society. Welcome to ITSP Magazine Podcast Radio. You're about to listen to an episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. Do you follow the pack or challenge the status quo? Join Ted as he explores how to succeed by going against conventional wisdom. You'll hear leaders in technology and security tell stories about how they achieve their success by doing things differently. Knowledge is power. Now, more than ever. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open-source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the Internet safer together. Learn more at CrowdSec.net. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Tech Done Different. As always, I'm your host, Ted Harrington. And here with me today is our special guest, April Sabral. She is a leadership coach, an entrepreneur, an author, and the founder of Retail U. April, thanks for spending some time with us together today. Awesome. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited to be here. Totally. As you and I were talking about what kind of insights might you be able to provide to our audience, we were talking, of course, about leadership principles, and that is an area of extreme expertise for you. And I thought it was really interesting that even though you come from a different field than our audience, you know, you have a background in retail and our audience primarily from technology, the principles are universal. You advise technology leaders too. So I wanted to talk about leadership. So let's start there. What would you say are the key principles for leadership in terms of, you know, how does someone who's trying to grow into become a leader, like what are the things that they should be aware of they should be doing? Yeah, it's like you said, like leadership principles go across, right, industries. That's what I'm learning, just stepping into a leadership coaching role more in the last couple of years. And, you know, I wrote a book about it, about leadership principles. So I'm going to pull from my own principles because the leadership principles that I used in my career to grow from being a part-time salesperson all all the way up to being a VP and and managing a team of like 5,000 people. And so they, they can be used anywhere. And in the book, I write about the three principles called ACT, so A-C-T, which is leading with awareness. And A stands for accept. And what that means is to be supportive, like be a leader that has no judgment and makes no assumptions about people. The second step is create, which is being responsible. So thinking and envisioning, like being responsible for what you think about, where you spend your time thinking, because I really do believe that your thoughts create your reality. So it's really important that we actually start talking about that more in the whatever business you're in. Entrepreneurs, I think, get that more than anything because they've got to be so focused on building something when it's new and believing in it. But your mindset really matters. And then number three is teach. So T is the teach. So it's be selfless and approach things from a mentorship and a coaching perspective. Because when you do that and you're leading a team, you're not you're going to be less frustrated. You're going to see opportunities where you can coach and train people to become better at what they do. And that is in all industries, right? So I talk about this and write about this and kind of elaborate on it because those are the three principles that have helped me be successful as a leader and build large, high-performing teams. I love it. So let's dig into each one of those. So let me ask you about this principle of accept first. And the way I heard you describe it sounded very Buddhist, actually, in a lot of ways, you know, just like be calm, no judgment, and, you know, it's neither good nor bad. 
So help me understand this a little bit better. I, I think at a surface level, this makes a lot of sense, right? Like let's not judge the behaviors of the people that we lead. But fundamentally, don't we need to? Don't we need to actually judge performance and, and correct when it's not where it's effective? Help me, help me understand this. Yeah, so we do need to measure performance, right? Which I say measure, not judge. So like when you're a leader, how you behave and how you treat people as an individual is going to help them become a higher performer because people usually leave organizations when they don't like the person they work for or they leave a team when they don't like the person they work for. And in all of my years of experience, when I would travel stores and speak to leaders that were managing retail stores, or even now when I'm talking to individual contributors that work on maybe a tech team, the number one thing that comes up that they ask for in a leader is that they want to feel like they can be themselves, right? They want to feel supported. So accepting is all around embracing and supporting people for who they are and not judging them as a person. That's completely separate to managing somebody's performance to an expectation or an objective that you've set. Because, you know, if you're judging somebody personally or making an assumption about somebody, this is what it will look like in real time. It's like you've had a conversation with somebody, you were in a meeting, somebody shared something, maybe you didn't really like it, or it wasn't a good idea, or they did something that wasn't their best. And now all of a sudden you're carrying that forwards into the next experience or the next conversation. So you're going in already with your mindset as a leader, judging them on what they've done in the past. And that's unfair to any individual because you're not really being open. You're not being supportive. And so there is a very big difference between judging the person and not making assumptions versus measuring and managing performance. That's completely different. Measuring and managing performance is all around like job objective, you know, objectives in your job, like what are the parameters for success, and then having those factual conversations about that. Hmm. That makes sense? Yeah, that does make sense. I see the separation that you're making. It does sound like you brought into this principle the idea of historical context, and, and maybe we should be judging what's happening now without the context of what happened before. Did I understand that part correctly? Yeah, like being present, right? Like being present in the moment and listening to somebody because you might be, you might be assigned a task, let's say, and you're new to it and you don't know how to do that task. So maybe you weren't given the right training to do it. So you don't do a really good job. But maybe the next thing that you get assigned to do or the next project, you do a kick-ass job because you really know that and something you're really passionate about. Right. So as a leader, you need to be open to that and like lead that way. If you do lead that way, people are going to feel heard. They're going to feel supported. They're going to feel accepted for who they are, because there's so much talk now about bringing your whole self to work. Right. 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 And not having biases like how many people on teams like leaders have biases towards people. Right. So it's about getting in that. It is kind of, well, I've studied meditation and Buddhism for years, but it's about becoming that neutral, like becoming neutral and, and not leading with your emotions and making a judgment and assumption about somebody because emotions can get, emotions are a good thing. We need to connect with emotions because that connects people to you. But if you lead from that perspective, you're, you may be making poor decisions about people. Mm-hmm. I, I hear you on that for sure. I find myself where... I definitely try to separate my emotions from any sort of leadership decision-making. Sometimes it happens though, right? You have an emotional reaction to something, someone you know pisses you off or a situation pisses you off. And in those cases where I, I react to that, those are the ones that stay with me. And I, I really, I like 
have trouble going to sleep that night because I think, did I make the right decision? Did I guide my team in the right way because I reacted to this so emotionally? And it sounds like what I'm hearing you say is, in fact, that that's good that I'm questioning that because I should not be reacting emotionally. Uh, is that true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I had a boss about, I don't know, 15 years ago. And he said to me, you know, when people work for you on your team, he's like, what? They go home at night and most people talk about their work, right? Like to their significant other or their friends, their family. They, we spend a lot of time talking about what happened in our workday. And so when you lead somebody, they go and they share how they feel about working for you to their friends and family. And so he said, you know, how you make them feel about working for you is really important. So that's when the emotional piece does come in, because if they feel positive and feel really good about working for you, all of their friends and family are going to be like, oh, you know, like raving and, you know, they're your best customers or your best like promoters of who you are. But if they go home at the end of the night and they don't feel good about working for you and they start regurgitating that over and over again, um, then guess what? Their friends and family are like, why do you work there? Like go work somewhere else, get a new job. Like it's not worth it. But usually that feeling of like feeling good about working for somebody is because again, they feel like in safety like they feel safe they feel accepted they feel supported when we have emotional reactions it doesn't feel good right like when you when you're in a conflict with somebody or somebody has an emotional reaction in a it can have a negative impact on somebody so the fact that you said that is really good and you should be thinking about that it's just yeah. it's just really how do you in that moment manage your emotions right if you are highly emotional i have the benefit i'm not a very emotional i'm much more logical right which has its own challenges but yeah it's how to manage that in the moment Sure. It's definitely hard to manage that in, in the moment, especially when as leaders, we often have such strong opinions about the way things should be done. And I'm curious to how you think about this, because one of the ways that I've thought about my own leadership development is my, my whole philosophy, like my mission as a leader is I want to groom leaders who are themselves capable of grooming leaders. If, because if I can do that, then my impact is exponential. And so for me, I find myself in those situations where it's like, I know it should go this way. And I hear people saying they want to do it another way. And I'm like, mm, that's not the way I want to do it. Being able to say, well, I need to allow this person right or wrong, see how their opinion of it is going to play out because that's the only way they're, they're going to become a leader. And then they need to be able to teach that to somebody else. Right. Do you think that's an effective way to do it? When I, when I still believe it should be done the other way to let someone else struggle with the way they're going to do it. Here's my coaching to you on this. I'm putting my coaching hat on now because I'm a coach. Oh, let's go. Free coaching. <laughs> I would say, you know, I would say that what you what you do in that moment is we all think we know the best answer, right? And I learned when I was a VP that my voice was very strong. I can convince people to jump on any boat with me. Like I can gain buy-in from anybody. And because I had that title, a lot of times my opinion was heard louder, right? Because you know, I was steering that ship. And I know I've been in those moments where I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> I know the answer. I'm like, why are they going this way? But here's what I would say to you then, instead of allowing them to like go down that path and make that mistake maybe, and then picking them up afterwards, instead, another approach could be, what's your perspective and what's your opinion? Talk to me about that. Like if I wasn't here, this is why I used to ask the regional directors all the time, because their goal was to do the same thing. Like, develop leaders, I'd say to them, if I wasn't here anymore and you had to make this decision, what would be the decision that you would make and why? And so they'd share it with me. And then I'd say, okay, do you want to ask me the same question? <laughs> so then they'd ask me the same question and I'd share my perspective. And then we would have a whole conversation 
about the gap or the difference in what I would do versus what they would do. And we'd come to a happy medium before they went and did it. Because there is a time to allow people to make mistakes. People are going to learn from it. But this is why teach the last pillar in ACT is so important because if you don't take that teach, that's a teaching coaching approach, right? But I'm a trained coach. I've been trained for coaching for six years. I've done three certifications. So it's like when you put that hat on, you take an approach of like supporting them to explore again, being that accepting leader and 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 helping that versus just watching them go and do it. Or another thing is lots of leaders go into conversations and they just they let people have this, but then they they just at the end of the day, they're going to give them the direction, right? Because I see that a lot. I see leaders like selling their point all the time. And I can see other people in the room just like going down and like, maybe there is another idea. There is another way. There is a different way to save money. Um, whatever that is, you know, um, coming from somebody, but they're not, again, if you don't allow people's voices to be heard and create that, you're going to miss out on so much that could benefit the whole team. I love it. So let's talk about this. Let's jump to the third pillar. Let's talk about teach. (laughs) So I heard you describe in what you're just saying, the power of questions, you know, leading with questions instead of leading with your own opinions or statements, allowing people to have their own voice to contribute to the conversation. How do we ask good questions? You have to study them, read books about them and practice them. Like it's a skill, you know, at Retail You and the coaching program, we have like all these different questions by buckets that basically teach you how to ask them. And so when you're asking questions that are open, you'll get more collaboration from people. But like just asking questions like, tell me what you think, you know, and why it's interesting. Why is a really good question, but why can make people really defensive? I read a really good book called The Power of Questions by Will Wise. And it's one of the best books I've ever read about asking questions because he takes it from a teaching facilitation standpoint because uh, he has a leadership development company and all of his questions um, encourage dialogue. And he talks about the, the use of why did you do that? And why is and turning reframing that into I'm going to probably get this totally bodged up because I I haven't got the book in front of me. But there is another way of asking that question, like, why did you do that to tell me what your thoughts were when you approached that? So it's like removing the why did you do it? (laughs) Like accusatory to like, tell me your thinking when you approach that, because then somebody's going to be like, oh, they're really interested in my thinking. I want to share that. So it's just asking those kind of questions. But one of the most powerful coaching questions is can you share more? You know, tell me more. Can you share more? Is there anything else? Like on conference calls, I'll be on, I was on a a call this afternoon with like 10 leaders. They're all talking and I'm saying, okay, is there anything else that anybody wants to share? Is there anything that anybody can add on to what somebody else shared? So it's like facilitating that conversation, but you got to study it. (laughs) Right. You know, if you look in sales, you, you study the art of asking questions for customers. So it is kind of the same thing. It's just the mindset has to be different when you're leading people you know, because customers, we don't know. We know nothing about them. We can make assumptions about them. They work for this company, they earn this much money, but we don't really know them. But when you're managing a team, it becomes different because you have experiences that are already built, you know? Yeah, I think this part of the topic of asking questions is really fascinating about the question why, because we need to know, we need to understand why. We need to seek why. Like, why are we doing anything? Why would I put my effort into this? Why do I put my money into this? And we're always encouraging people to, be more provocative in that asking that question. But I, I've seen it so many times, exactly what you're saying, that actually asking why totally puts people on the defensive 
Uh, one of the techniques I've learned for how to do that is to, instead of ask, literally saying why, using what, because what is much more neutral. So like, well, what about that is oh, that's good. making you want to do that? You know, or what about it led you to do it that way? And then it's less of a, I don't know why there's a difference. I'm not, I'm, I'm not a scientist in this. No, but it feels, it, it's the energy. You feel it, right? When you say, why did you do that? You're like, uh, because... I thought it was a good idea. Like, am I stupid? Like, but when you say, what about that led you to believe that you should, you know, take that approach? You're like, oh, well, let me tell you, you know, like it's, it feels completely different, the energy of it. And that's the thing about leadership. It's like the book's called the positive effect, because I think that you have to have a positive effect on people to get the best out of them. You just do like another book. I love Robin Sharma, the leader with no title. He says 10, 10% discretionary effort comes out of people that you cannot pay for right? The thing about that, if you're trying to ignite a whole team to, to build something, to create something, and you can only get 10% extra out of them by making them feel good about working for you, how important is leadership? <laughs> you know, super important. Yeah. I mean, that's also like a life lesson, right? Shouldn't we all be wired to make people feel good about interacting with us? Like if that's our deal, like, how do I make this person feel good? Well, now we have to think about how do I put myself in this person's shoes? What matters to them? What struggles do they go through? How do they see me? You know, those are the those are the kinds of things we should be thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why, you know, when people say to me, oh, you should treat people the way that like there's that phrase that's like, you should people treat people the way that you want to be treated. I'm like, well, that makes no sense to me. You should treat people the way that treated the, the way that they want to be treated, which means that I need to get curious on what's important to them. Like the five love languages is a book that was written for that reason. It was like, find out what somebody else needs and then communicate and treat them that way. So when I hear leaders say, oh yeah, just treat people the way you want to be treated. I'm like, that is so backwards. That's like 25 years old now. Like we've got to drop. <laughs> it doesn't make sense. Right. <laughs> yeah. The spirit of it, I guess, is in the right place, but the execution, certainly not. I mean, even just look at the one distinction between introverts and extroverts, right? Like some extroverts might be like, I want to be treated by, you know, come talk to me. Let's have, and some introverts might be like, do not talk to me. <laughs> it's like, well, wait, it matters what this person wants. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Okay, so we talked about accept, we talked about teach. So tell me about create as a leadership principle. Yeah, so create for me is, it really comes from like my 25 years study of the law of attraction let's say the law of cause and effect you know like a universal law like because i truly believe that what you think about comes about you know like you had to think about the company that you were building before it actually came to pass right like it all starts in our minds and so i really believe that where you spend your time thinking and and how you start spend your time thinking really creates more of what you want so that's really the basis of that pillar and you know it talks a lot about like mindfulness and meditation because I'm a big one on meditation. I've been doing meditation for like 20 years. Meditation is the moment where you don't really think about anything. You're kind of trying to like sit in a place of joy, of that positive energy, of like letting go of all your worries and concerns. And so because I believe in the law of cause and effect so much, I think things come to me just because I'm sitting in that space. So I think as a leader... <laughs> Like we all think about this in our own personal lives. It's like, I want that relationship. And then you go on YouTube and it's like, how to find the perfect relationship. And you're like, sit down and like, you know, meditate and visualize it and all that, you know, that stuff that people learn. But I don't think in business we talk about it enough. I really don't. And I think that I used to sit there on Monday mornings and envision and think about what I wanted my week to look like and, you know, get into that headspace and be mindful about everything and think about how I could translate that and that vision and sell that vision to my team. Because if I wasn't clear in my thinking, 
then how could I be clear in what I was translating for everybody else to go after? You know, if I had a scattered brain where I had like a million folders open, which most women do, because we're like multitask like crazy. But like, if that's the case, how am I going to sell a vision to my team and, and be responsible with that? Right. So that's where Create comes into leadership. I love it. So it sounds like we're to some extent talking about the idea of manifestation, right? Like how do we manifest the world that we want to live in? And that it's funny we're talking about this because that feels so squishy. We're talking about business and leadership and it's like, I mean, I'm wearing a crystal around my neck. So like, <laughs> what am I talking about? But like, you know, people are, are, are I think starting to accept these ideas in the, in the sort of mainstream business and leadership thinking more around these ideas of like, yeah, you're the, what you think your, your thoughts become your habits, your habits become your reality and manifestation and visualization, meditation, these things all sort of guide to that. So have you felt that there's been pushback to this as an idea or is this an idea that's readily accepted? No, I don't think it's a pushback to an idea because I put it into very practical terms in the book. Like there's a lot of anecdotal stories about that pillar create, one being the million dollar chocolate bar story, which people always, it always resonates with people. So because I had a sales goal to do and I'm not going to go into like the whole story, but it's like I had a sales goal to do that I didn't believe in right? Somebody above me challenged me. They were like, you need to deliver this result. And I was like, yeah, it's not going to happen. Like, what is she out to lunch? Like, she doesn't know the history of the results. She doesn't know how we got here. And she just said to me, if you don't believe in it, you won't be able to achieve it because you've got to get the whole team to buy into what you want to do. And so with that mindset of like, I can or I can't, right? Like, because that's what it comes down to. What am I thinking about? What can I achieve? And so I share that story in the book and I bought like these chocolate bars and I put a million dollars around it and sent it to the team. And I was like, we're going to visualize this and we're going to do everything in our power to make it happen. And we're not going to have that I can't do. We're going to have the can do attitude. And we beat the sales goal by like 20%. And it was something that we had never achieved. So 100%, I think it's very practical when you actually think about it. You know, (laughs) people like, oh, manifesting a parking spot. That's easy. Lots of people get that, right? Like (laughs) to be... Yeah, manifesting bigger things that's like a whole other thing but yeah I don't, I don't i don't get pushback when people read it i think people um read it and it really resonates with them because it helps them think about how they're going to shape their life and what they actually want right because in the book it talks about like how to reframe like sentences like i can't to i can right and and things like that how to make it practical i got this amazing piece of advice on this topic from maybe an unlikely source uh my hairstylist oh <laughs> And <laughs> she tells me this idea that like when you first wake up, you're, she described it much more artfully than I'm describing right now. But when you first wake up, there's something about your brain chemistry that is very receptive to what you tell your brain. And so if you set your intentions, like when you first wake up, before you even get out of bed, have water, have coffee, whatever your routine is, you just take that like 30 seconds, you're still lying in bed, you're still cozy in bed, your alarm went off, which is annoying, but you're still in bed. And you just sort of set your intention like i want my day is going to look like this that's my intention for today is blank it has this profoundly powerful effect because you've just told your brain how it should operate while it's deciding how it's going to operate today and it seems like it's right in line with what you're talking about here i love that 100 percent. i love that it's like because our brain is like our computer right like it's like the thing that it's like a tool for us if we actually think about it like that that's what our mind is and so i love that she said that and it's so true like the CEO of Mind Valley, Vishen Lakani, he has a like a six step meditation that he says to do every morning exactly before you get out of bed to kind of set that tone. 
And it's hugely powerful. Like I tell my brain sometimes, like when my brain's like stressed out about things, I'll say, thanks brain for bringing it up. But like, just go and solve some problems that are going to bring me joy and abundance today. And the energy completely shifts, by the way. Wow. I'm going to steal that phrase. Yeah. Being more aware, right? Because that's what ACT really does. ACT is like, for me, the leadership methodology is about becoming more of an aware leader. The more aware we are of what's going on around us, about how people feel working for us, about the conditions that we're creating and then how we're approaching things, we'll have deeper connections with people because that's really what what great leaders do. They have deep connections with their team and they understand people. Wow. What a, what a powerful idea. Become more aware in order to form deeper connections. I love that. Well, as we come to a close here and we wrap up our time, I mean, that's, that's an amazing note, first of all, to end an episode on. But uh, is there any parting thoughts or anything you want to leave our audience with before we wrap up? I mean, I have my favorite quote in the back of the book, actually. Let's see if I can find it. But if I can't, yeah, this is my favorite quote because I think this is what every leader really should be doing with every single team member every day. And it's this. Be the type of energy that no matter where you go, you always add value to the spaces and lives around you. And if you can think about that as a filter when you're going through your day and you're working with people, nine times out of 10, you'll do a good job. (laughs) Oh, I love that. What what a great idea. I have written it along with many other things, furiously scribbled on my notepad here. So thank you for participating in this one-on-one leadership coaching that is also an episode of this podcast. (laughs) April, you've been great. Really, really appreciate your time today and all the wisdom you shared. Oh, thanks so much, Ted. Thanks for having me. And for everybody listening, if you want to learn more about what April's up to or request to appear on the podcast yourself, just go to tedharrington.com backslash podcast, and we'll catch you next time. CrowdSec, the collaborative and open source cybersecurity solution. Analyze behaviors, respond to attacks, and share signals across the community for free. Let's make the internet safer together. Learn more at crowdsec.net. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Tech Done Different Podcast with Ted Harrington. If you learned something new and this conversation made you think, then share ITSPmagazine.com with your friends, family, and colleagues. If you represent a company and wish to associate your brand with our conversations, sponsor one or more of our podcast channels. We hope you will come back for more stories and follow us on our journey. You can always find us at the intersection of technology, cybersecurity, and society.